0: To giving financially, please visit our website, senecabaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. All right. Pop quiz. How many of you, that was your first time ever hearing that song? Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many of you've heard that song before? That's all right, not a first time. All right, Um, one of the things that that we we love uh, is that there are songs that are new that tell truth, uh, and there are songs that are old that tell truth, and so we don't sing new songs or old songs. We sing true songs, and so um, that song is a new song, and uh, but what it it reveals is this idea of the book of exodus and so i'm very thankful for it um the book of exodus just recap real fast the book of exodus is a journey okay it's a journey of god's people and god's people are um his beloved treasured possession we're going to hear about that in chapter 19 but this is going to under help you understand why god's doing what he's doing So he meets his people in Egypt in the middle of captivity, in the middle of intense suffering and persecution, and he says, It is my desire to set them free. And so the book of Exodus really is a journey of God revealing who he's called his people to be. Secondly, he reveals himself to his people. So, who has God created his people to be as individuals? Who are they? And secondly, who, are, who, or who is this God who is setting them free? So who, who am I? Who is God? And the third question that Exodus really seeks to answer is who has God called his people? As a corporate body, he's setting apart not just a person for himself, he's setting apart a people for himself. And so who are they supposed to be? They've never lived with God this way, and God's going to reveal that to them. So. In your Bible, Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. And if you didn't bring a Bible, there's a hardback black one in the pew rack in front of you. Take that, open it up. Uh, We do have it on the screen, but it's always better to have it in front of you. Um, And if you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. Let that be our gift to you. And if black's not your color, you tell me whatever color Bible you want, and I'll buy you whatever color Bible you want, because I believe that every person needs to have the Word of God available to them. So, Uh, last week we looked at the idea that God has made His people a singing people. A singing people. And um, it's because when redemption fills our hearts, there will always be a song on our lips. And if we are not a singing people, if we don't enjoy singing to God about His redemption, we might have to ask ourselves the question, what does that say about my heart? Examine our hearts. And so... I want you to see this progress, that God is moving his people forward, and that's what we're going to talk about today, that God's people are a people in progress, a people in progress. The people of God have been purchased from slavery by the blood of the Lamb, and they have been delivered by the power of God as he split the sea, and the people of God walked through the sea on dry land. We talked about that last week. They came to the other side, God fills their heart with the song of redemption. The song in chapter 15, mentioned almost 100 times in the rest of the book or in the rest of the Bible. This song goes from Exodus chapter 15 all the way to Revelation chapter 15. That's the last time that that song is mentioned. And they sing of the Lord, who is their Redeemer, who is their strength, who is their song, who is, the Lord is, verse 3, a man of war, the Lord is his name. So they sing of this God who fights for them, who has redeemed them, and now has become their salvation, and their strength, and their song. So he fills their hearts with redemption and they sing this corporate song. And it's the first corporate worship song that we see in the Bible. Then after setting out from the Red Sea, God leads Israel into the wilderness toward the promised land. Three days journey. Let's look at verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter Therefore, it was named Marah. Now, who is leading the people of Israel on this journey? Who? God is. Are you all awake out there? God is. That was an easy softball question, okay? Now, how is God leading his people at this time through the wilderness? What by day and what by night? Pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So we have to remember this. We have to keep this in our minds that God is leading his people, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. God led them in a tangible way. Wouldn't that be amazing? Gosh, sometimes it'd be so much easier if there was a pillar of cloud saying, this is the way, walk in it. Interestingly, when Jesus came, Jesus says, it's better for you that I go. Can you just imagine that for a second? Jesus... Physically, tangibly, with his disciples, and he says, it's better for you, for your soul, if I leave you. Why? Because if I don't leave you, I can't send the Spirit. And he says, this is the Ryan Perry version of that, that text, the Spirit of God inside of you is better than Jesus beside you. So man, I wish that there was a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, but you have the Spirit of God and the Word of God that lead us through life. Now, God led them to a place where there was no water. And when they got to a place where there was water, it was bitter water. So God redeemed them out of Egypt, and then he brought them to the edge of the Red Sea, and they were were in the middle of a fix, right? There was a predicament. Now, they've left the Red Sea, God did miracles there on the Red Sea, and God led them to a place called Mara, where the water is bitter So, I mean, just think about this. There's a theme going. You'll hear this uh, a little bit in the days ahead. Out of Egypt, the place of the Red Sea, that fun place to be when you see the Egyptians barreling down on you? No, it's not fun at all. It's a difficult place, a scary place. And then God brought them to to Marah, where there's bitter water, another difficult place. The, The next chapter, in chapter 16, God brings them into the wilderness of sin. Uh, and there there's no bread, there's no food, they run out. Why would God bring them to a difficult place? And then in chapter 16 and 17, he brings them to Rephidim, where there is no water, another difficult place. Why in the world? Why in the world is it that God would lead them from this difficult place to this difficult place to this difficult place to this difficult place? Why would God do that? Remember, who's leading them? God is. So why? Why would he do that his beloved people why would he lead his dearly beloved people his chosen people is this people that he's going to make a kingdom this people that he's redeemed with the blood of the lamb and the power of god at the red sea why would he bring them into places of difficulty listen to me lean in lean in listen because god Because God's people are never meant to be static. They're never meant to be stationary, complacent, or stuck in a place of comfort. So God leads them into difficult places. Why? Because God's not building a country club, is He? He's building a kingdom. Priests, just wait till chapter nineteen. God's not forming a religion; He's forming a spiritual movement to take over the world. God's not a, a part of a, a cruise ship line, is He? He's forming battleships, not cruise ships. So God is moving His people. We are a people in progress. We are always moving, always changing, always. Pushing forward. And sometimes God allows us to come to bitter, difficult places because that's how He chooses to do His best work. We're people of progress. Okay, look at, look at verse 23. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. Now, the word Mara shows up somewhere else in the Old Testament. Does anybody remember somebody whose name was Mara? She renamed herself Mara. Do you remember? Yeah! Ding, 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 you won, okay? Naomi, right? This is Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law. In the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 20, she had lost everything. All the men in her life are now gone. And she says, my name is no longer Naomi, which means pleasant, but my name is now Mara because the Lord has given me bitterness. So this word bitterness is a very powerful idea. So God brought Israel to a place with bitter water because God wants to do something in them. In them. Just read the Bible. Read the Bible. The Bible is full of difficulties, isn't it? If I was going to write a religion and I was going to kind of come up with it off of my, the top of my head, I would not create a religion that is so difficult as Christianity has been revealed to us in the Scriptures. Daniel in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Right, I, I wouldn't have written that story in there. I would say, no, if you follow Jesus, it'll be following the yellow brick road. There will be uh, skittle rainbows all around us and and. Everything is going to be like, like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory around you. You can eat everything and just delight. And it. it's going to be great. No more troubles. No more difficulties. But God reveals himself differently, doesn't he? Now, he brings them to a bitter place because he wants to do something in his people. And this is a test from God. Look at verse 25. The end of verse 25. The end of verse 25 says, There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them. There he tested them. So this is a test from the Lord. And so church family, listen, listen to me. God loves his people too much to let them be, to let us be what we are. Now, The one wonderful thing about the gospel is that Jesus accepts you just as you are. Isn't that good news? He doesn't expect you to get cleaned up. He doesn't expect you to be sin free. He doesn't expect you to be clean and pure. He accepts you broken and filthy, uh, sin ridden. He only needs you to be needy. And if you need him, if you realize how much you need Jesus, he will accept you just as you are. And then he will begin the process of transformation in you. Come to Him just as you are. Are you broken today? Are you hurting today? Is your life, on the outside, you might be well put together, but on the inside, your life feels like a mess. Come to Jesus. He'll take you just like that, but I promise you, He doesn't want you to stay that way. Don't stay that way, because we're people of progress. He's going to change us, and sometimes He brings us to bitter places to do that. He loves us too much to leave us looking like the world. He loves us so much. In His deep, deep love for us, He will divinely move us to difficult places to reveal what's truly in our hearts. To test the true nature of our character. And so whether it's cancer or conflict, sin or strife, whether it's seasons of lack where you don't know how you're going to do it, or whether it's, I don't know, broken relationships... God will bring us into bitter places. Sometimes it's loss of jobs or a loss of a loved one. It's death or divorce. And God will bring us to bitter places. Why? Because He wants to move the needle in our heart. Can we just confess to ourselves and to the Lord today that I am not yet who He wants me to be? Praise God, I'm not who I once was. I can't remember who it was. He said, if I were to see myself from many years ago and I were to come into his presence, I'd be disgusted with him. So praise God, I'm not who I once was, but I have not reached the destination yet. He wants to move the needle in our hearts toward him. He wants to transform his people from one degree of glory to another into his image. That's what he's out to do. He wants to find a way to let redemption reach so down deep in our soul that there is always a song on our lips and in our hearts. Because of his redemption has so transformed and changed my life that no matter what I'm going through, instead of grumbling, I choose to sing of his goodness. He wants to do that in me. Because we're a people of progress. I love Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. You could probably quote this with me, but it says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, what God starts, he'll finish. He is not a giving up kind of God. He is a faithful God. The same grace that saves you, transforms you. The same spirit in you that causes you to be born again will cause you to die to self and be renewed every day. That's what God is out after in your life and He will bring you to bitter places in your life to accomplish His perfect work. So what is God trying to produce in Israel? the same thing he's trying to produce at Seneca Baptist Church. And in your heart, just think back. Chapter 12 through chapter 14 are all about God's redemption. And he wants to bring about in your life, and in my life, and in our life a life-transforming redemption. Secondly, he wants in verses, chapters 15 to 17, he's trying to produce in his people a holy character and an active faith. And in chapter 17 through 18, he wants to produce a healthy culture in Israel. And in chapter 19, he wants to create in us a missional heart. And in chapter 20, he wants us to create in us God honoring obedience. And all of these things he wants to do in us, in our lives, because he's trying to move us. We're being transformed we're a people of progress and so Israel was redeemed from slavery and now they're here at the edge of the bitter waters because God is moving them moving his people so how did Israel respond to the test look at verse 24 24 says and the people grumbled against Moses saying what shall we drink what shall we drink listen have you come to the edge of a bitter place Have you ever been in a bitter place with the Lord where things weren't going exactly as you desired that they would go? Have you been there? Well, I heard a preacher say that you're either coming out of that place, you're in that place, or you're about to go into that place. So sometimes he brings us there, and maybe you're there today, and it's a test for us. It's a test for us. Because God wants to show us something. Because the way that we respond in, uh, in those bitter places is a, a revelation of who we truly are. So like Israel, we have a choice. We get to choose how to respond. And this is what it says in verse 25. They had a choice. Verse 25, the second part of it says, There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there He tested them, saying, verse 26, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, then, there's a, an, an implied then right there, then I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. So, he gives four conditional clauses. If you will listen diligently. Diligently listen to the voice of Yahweh. Now, if you will listen diligently to Yahweh, that means to seek Him, to seek God, to trust His promises. Then he says, and if you will do what's right in His eyes. Now, do God's ways always make sense to us? No. No, they sure don't. Just like in chapter 14, Moses, lift up your staff and walk forward. I'm not doing anything until your feet get wet. Right? The edge of the Jordan River. Joshua, I'll begin to work When you begin to walk, doesn't make sense. Joshua, um, instead of your army, lead with the marching band. Gideon, I don't need 30,000, 20,000, 30,000, whatever it is. Now go down to the water, make all your men uh, bend down, and whoever laps like a dog, that's the guy that I'm going to use. Two, three hundred of them left. God's ways don't make sense, but if we will diligently listen to his voice, do what's right in his eyes, give ear to his commandments, not just give ear to them, but James says the one who listens and doesn't do is deceiving himself. Keep all his statutes, be a doer, then I will put none of the diseases on you. It's an if-then conditional statement. It's conditional And so, in reverse, God is saying, if you don't do these things, then I will put on you. Do you see that? Do you understand that? There's an if-then, and it's very positive, but the flip side is also true. The problem is bitter water, and if not handled in the right way, what's interesting is the bitter water has a way to travel to our hearts and make our hearts bitter. Have you ever noticed that before? Have you ever been in a bitter place and you didn't know what to do in that bitter place, and it wasn't handled well, Jesus, or God gives a cure here in the, in the scripture, which we'll look at in just a minute. But when we don't handle that bitter water well, it's real easy for bitterness to rise up in our heart. Have you ever had have you ever have you ever had conflict in something? And when you're when you have conflict with someone, Man, you are, we are so quick to want grace and need grace and ask God for forgiveness, but aren't we so slow to grant the same forgiveness and grace to other people? But do you remember what unforgiveness is like? I think I've said this a number of times. Unforgiveness is like poison that you drink and you hope they die. Unforgiveness leads to a root of bitterness. And if I don't rightly deal with the bitter places, then the bitterness will move from the water to my heart. Isn't that interesting? Maybe you've lost someone that you loved and you've questioned God and you've gotten angry at God and you've not ever listened diligently to His voice. And when we lose somebody or we go through something very difficult, if we don't walk through that rightly in a a proper way, in a way that honors the Lord, that bitter water will soon lead to a bitter heart. Is it just me? Maybe you look at a lot of life that God has given you and you say, why like this? I look at that, that evil, wretched person over there. Look at all the blessings they have. Why? I'm trying to live for you. Why is my life like this? God's revealing what's truly way down deep. And if I don't deal with that bitter water, then my bitter heart will last far longer. And man, I promise it's way easier for God to heal that bitter water right there than it is for that root of bitterness to be plucked up. But he says, if you'll listen diligently, if you'll give ear to my statutes, if you'll do my commandments, if you'll do what's right in my eyes, even though it doesn't make sense to the world, then I'll protect you. But if you don't give ear to my voice, if you're not seeking my face, if you're not coming into my presence in the middle of bitter places, You might not listen to my voice, but you'll give ear to somebody's. And you'll end up heeding their voice. You'll end up doing what's right in your eyes, or the world's eyes, or their eyes. And I promise you, it's going to lead you down a path that God will judge Bitter places, we don't deal with them well, lead to bitter hearts. But there's a solution. Go back to verse 25. See the problem's bitter water. But verse the end of verse 26. For, six says, "For I am the Lord." Your what? Come on, somebody say it out. Your healer. Problems bitter water. What's the solution? Verse twenty-five. And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it in the water, and the bit, the water became sweet. Follow me. There is a log. That word for log, it's also the Hebrew word for tree. There is a tree that makes bitter things sweet. Jeremiah chapter 3, no, excuse me, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 19. Jeremiah talks about sin and wandering of himself and Israel, and he says, it has brought upon me the gall of bitterness. The gall of bitterness. There is a tree that makes bitter things sweet. Jesus is on the cross. And he cries out, John 19, I thirst. What would they give him? They, gave him? they gave him sour wine mixed with what? Vinegar or gall is the, the Greek word. They gave him gall. Listen, there's a tree that makes bitter things sweet. Sin leads to bitterness. Wandering leads to bitterness in our life. The bitterness of gall. And there on the cross, our Savior drank deeply of gall. Not the gall that was wine mixed with this myrrh kind of drug to deaden the senses. But no, there on the cross, He drank the gall of our sin. In the cross is the tree that makes bitter things sweet. The problem is a lot of us haven't brought our bitterness to the cross. I love the book of Exodus. It's all about Jesus. Bitterness Bitter bitter places have a way to make our hearts bitter unless you come to the cross. Bring your sin, bring your bitterness, bring your anger, bring your frustrations, bring your grudges, bring your broken relationships, bring the death of your loved one, bring whatever it is to the cross. And there is a way in his time, in his way that he will make bitter things sweet. That does not mean that he will make it easy. But what it means is there is a way to transform what is bitter into what is sweet, into something that I don't understand, to something that, God, you are trustworthy in the middle of it. God has a way to do what only God can do, and the cross is the tree that stands in the middle of bitterness and sweetness. What are we going to do with our bitter places? Are you with me, church? What's going on in your life? Are you hurt? Have you been wounded? I'm sure you have. Gosh, it's easy. Being wounded's a part of life. Staying wounded's not. That's a choice. Jesus was wounded by the bitterness of our sin. By evil people. And somehow, God took the greatest form of evil and through the cross made it the most amazing form of sweetness. And He offers it to you. Maybe you're not saved today. You've never trusted that that Jesus is the Savior for sinners. Charles Spurgeon said, I am a, a great sinner in need of a Savior. And he says, And Christ is a great Savior to meet my need. Maybe you've not realized that till today. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. Today is the day where He can make your life sweet. He can redeem it. That means one day I look back on my life and I see all the sin that I've accomplished in my own life. And man, I regret it. I wish that I wouldn't have done it. But let me tell you, it all is a, it speaks to His goodness now in me. Every one of my failures and faults is a story of His grace. And if I wouldn't have done those stupid things as a child or as a young man or as an adult, I wouldn't know the sweetness of His grace. He's got a way to make bitter things sweet. Verse 27, They came to Elim, and there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees. What's twelve symbolic of in the Bible? What? The tribes of Israel, but what else is it symbolic of? Completion. Fulfillment. Seventy. Same idea, right? Completion. You remember, Peter? Jesus. Somebody wrongs me. How many times do I gotta forgive him? Seven times? 70 times 7. He's not saying, alright, 490, you got one more strike, buddy. No, he's, he's saying there's a complete number, a number of fullness. There's never a number. And so what he, what he does is he brings them to Mara, where they experience bitterness, and there's a tree that makes bitter water sweet. And then he takes them into the fullness of his blessing. I made bitter water sweet, but now let me show you, I got 12 springs. You come and, you come and follow me? I got 12 springs and 70 palm trees. I, I got a place for you. God led them there. But to get to Elim, they had to go through Mara. Church family, come to Jesus. He's got a way to make bitter things sweet. If you need to trust Him today, oh, come fall on your face. Come take my hand and say, Ryan, I know I need Jesus. Maybe you're in a place of bitterness today. And let me tell you, God is wanting you to leave bitterness at Mara and go to Elim. But you got to go through the tree. So it's time. You've been, some of us, we've been carrying it around too long. Would you stand with me? You respond right now as the Lord leads you. Don't wait on a prayer. You respond. If the Lord's leading you to respond somehow, you move. Father, We're fixing to sing a song about turning our eyes upon Jesus. Now, what I'm asking, Lord, is that we as your people would respond to your word. Father, we need your help. Father, so many of us have been in in Mara for far too long. And we want to get to Aleem. But well, we can't get there without your help, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. So, Father, might we listen diligently to your voice, trust you at your promises, not just for us, but for others. Might we do what's right in your eyes? Might we keep your statutes and obey your rules, obey your commandments. Father, might we do that? Help us. Speak to us in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You sing.